Nice going, Dad. Both my wife and daughter think I'm this gigantic loser. And they're right. I have lost something. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but I know I didn't always feel this sedated. But you know what? It's never too late to get it back. That was Kevin Spacey's pitiable, frustrated family man, Lester Burnham, living in a suburban nightmare he's desperate to break out of in 1999's social satire, American Beauty. Lester revolts against his milquetoast existence with weed, weights and a sports car. Our hero this week is punching and shooting his way to a better life in action comedy Nobody, starring Bob Odenkirk. Plus, existentialism, dreams, humanity and triple-tittied sex workers. We get our ass to Mars in this week's What Have You Been Watching? We don't know what we're doing, we're just talking about films. And films are better than people. I'm Sam. And I'm Lawrence. What? Uh, whose car is that out front? Mine. 1970 Pontiac Firebird, the car I've always wanted and now I have it. I rule! So Sam, this week... What have you been watching? I watched Total Recall. What have you been watching? I've also watched Total Recall. Good. We watched it together. We got there. <laughs> we got through. Good. Now we can talk about Total Recall and what an absolute blast it was. It was absolutely. Uh, Total Recall is from nineteen. Which what, what is it? When's it? Nineteen ninety. From? from nineteen ninety. If you're not aware of it, uh, it's an old Arnold Schwarzenegger film. Uh, he plays it's so much more than that. It's. <laughs> He plays Doug Quaid, living in the near future. But the, their near future is probably, by this point, our actual past. Uh, but did, did, Do they ever say what year it's supposed to be set in? 2084. 2084. Oh, actually, not that. Still, still a bit in the future. So it could still happen. Uh, but with all clothes and technology that looks like it's in the 90s and everything. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, sort of retro future. Retro futurism. Very cool. So, Doug Quaid... He a uh, seemingly normal uh, blue-collar worker, but he is plagued by dreams of Mars, and it grows into an obsession. Rather than spend his hard-earned money on actually going to Mars with his uh, wife, played by Sharon Stone, he instead elects for a brand new, uh, far cheaper technology where they can implant the memory of a great vacation to a to anywhere he wants into it, and he of course elects Mars. Uh, unfortunately, uh, something goes wrong w- when the memory starts to be implanted, and it actually awakens real memories of possibly being a spy, possibly having already gone to Mars. He's then chased down by a bunch of secret agents, and he has to get his ass to Mars and just work out what the hell is going on. Melina, tell you something. What? I don't remember you. What are you talking about? I don't remember you. I don't remember us. I don't even remember me. <laughs> what did you get amnesia? How did you get here? Hauser left me a note. Hauser, you're Hauser. Not anymore. Now I'm Quaid. Douglas Quaid. Hauser, you've lost your mind. I didn't lose my mind. Cohagen stole it. He found out that Hauser switched sides, so he turned him into somebody else. Me. 
This is too weird. And he dumped me on earth with a wife and a lousy job. Did you, say, supposed to be... did you say wife? Are you fucking married? And she wasn't really my wife. Oh, she isn't really your wife. How stupid of me. She was Hauser's wife? Yeah, and fight the fight for the revolution up there. And fight for the revolution up there as Mars is run by a, a villainous dictator named Cohagen. Yeah, a ruthless businessman who, yeah, just, you know, has to sell. He sells oxygen to people. Yeah. Um, which actually is probably going to happen in the future. With a, <laughs> yeah. Who knows what Jeff Bezos is going to get into next? Amazon do everything these days. Yeah. Why not oxygen? Yeah, sell it. I'll sell it for as much as he wants. Or but maybe it'd be Elon Musk, because he's going to get to Mars eventually. Yeah, he'll get to Mars first. Yeah, and then the Tesla Tesla Air, or maybe, they'll call it. Tesla Air. Tesla Air. Tesla Air. We should be getting paid for this. Yeah. This this is great. Back to, back to the yeah, back to the <laughs> film. Uh, yeah, so it's kind of based on a Philip K. Dick short story. So yes. it has its roots in classic sci-fi literature. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's an actually it's an Arnie film first and foremost. But actually, I think Paul Verhoeven is a really great satirist. Uh, he's the director. He's Paul the director. Verhoeven. Yes, he's made Starship Troopers. He's made Basic Instinct, Robocop, uh, Robocop, um, and yeah, these are kind of all films which have a lot of American satire in them. It takes the it sort of mocks capitalism in its own way. It mocks war, and uh, yeah, I guess this kind of mocks the future in an odd way or what the future could become really I think it's more that like Paul Verhoeven oh, also the director of Showgirls let's not forget yeah. uh, he's, Paul Verhoeven is a, <laughs> is a fasc- I, I find to be a really fascinating director because he makes gleefully violent uh, gleefully sexualized films I think the sexuality in a Paul Verhoeven film is closer to a carry-on film than anything else. It's that kind of, like, lewd and kind of schoolboy. And yeah, it's a bit soft porn. It is pretty soft. It's pretty softcore stuff. But, like, it's... It like You know, he's a bit like... A, you know, in some ways, with the violence and the sex and the, the situations they set up and a lot of the sci-fi elements, it feels like a bit of a schoolboy. But then the thing is, hidden in every Paul Verhoeven film are, like, critiques of the military-industrial complex or... Uh, fascism, a lot of stuff about anti-capitalism and corporate America. I think that's present in Total Recall. I don't think it's the future he's satirising. The deep element of Total Recall that I think Paul Verhoeven is, he's more kind of looking aside. I think it's more a kind of existentialism mm. that he's kind of looking at, you know, is... And whether we prefer the fantasy or the reality. Yeah. Whether we be happier as human beings. Yeah, and I think that it's it's also like that, that's classic sci-fi in a way. That is it? classic sci-fi, and it's also like what is reality really? Because that's what's interesting about Total Recall. It is uh, it's an old family favorite of ours. I think we've watched it hundreds of times. Don't, don't call it a family favorite. That like Homeward Bound is like, <laughs> like Santa Claus the movie is this is this is yeah yes, but we're we're a weird family. Our family films are weird. Well, yeah, unconventional maybe. Yeah. I could use. I, I, I really enjoyed watching it again just because, the, yeah, the, the, it's it's maybe like a lot smarter than people gave it credit for. My kind of take from this was actually, I think Arnie's a bit miscast. I really? Yeah, I don't really like him in this. Basically, as Douglas Quaid, he feels a bit odd in the life that he's leading because he does look like an action hero. Mm. And actually, he is an action hero. That's kind of the idea that when he goes into the sort of this machine... He comes out as Carl Hauser, who you know has been 
working on Mars, and then you know it's it's just sort of fighting for the for the resistance up there. So that kind of makes sense. But there are lines that he delivers, which I'm not sure. Like he's he's just not quite. He doesn't quite deliver them the way that others would. I was kind of thinking that maybe John Cusack would be quite good in as as Douglas Clay, just because if you look <laughs> if you look at the idea and bear with me, maybe that's a bit left field. Look at this idea that maybe Douglas Quaid is actually this is what what happens in the film. This idea about him going to Mars and fighting for the Resistance and fighting and fighting Cohagen. Maybe there's this idea that he, this is all part of his fantasy. He is still in a dream, and he is this is actually kind of the story that's that's happening to him. And the fact that if he was kind of like a less, he looked less like an action star and looked less sort of like heroic. Then that would kind of make sense. He's kind of this. This man who, yeah, wants to just go on this dream holiday where he becomes this this spy and he gets caught up in, you know, with attractive women and gets caught up in in these violence and these these this sort of well, I, I, again, if you haven't seen Total Recall, I don't want to sort of get to the end of it because it'd be a bit of a bit of a spoiler. But yeah, he kind of you discover things about Mars that you you didn't know, and yeah, it's part of this kind of ludicrous fantasy, but. It would kind of match a little bit more with with that take of the film, if you if you see. Not in a million years. It is classic. You you, you It's classic Arnie. It's like full of wonderful Arnie moments. I agree with you that to an extent Arnie is out of place. It's really weird seeing loads of different women like lost after Arnie because to me, as as wonderful and iconic as Arnie is, it's never as a sex symbol. You you shouldn't have like just endless women that like throwing themselves at him he's not he's not a sexy man he's a he's a completely unsubtle man of muscles and one-liners that's who he is he's he's almost asexual i would say arnie is (laughs) i think one of the great things about him is that he can make any line that on paper would look really ineffectual and limp he gives it a kind of like energy or something towards the end there's just a line where he um is using a hologram to distract some guards and kill them and then another group of guards run up uh to him and he says like haha you think this is the real quaid and so they stop and then he goes it is and then he shoots them all and it's it's just got there's something about the way that he gives it is like such great like timing and it's just so it's just so like stupid and like boneheaded but he just inflates everything and makes it like fantastic you can't have total recall without arnie I don't know, but I just think... I would love to see John Cusack do more things, and actually I would kind of like... I I do kind of want to see this Total Recall of John Cusack now. I just think Douglas Quaid could be played by different people, and not by Colin Farrell. I haven't (laughs) haven't seen the remix, so I don't know. I was going to ask you about that. I don't want to... I want to reserve judgment. You know, everyone seemed to hate it, but but I don't know. But I think there are just other actors that could have played this role. Well, like the classic Carney roles, I can't think of... The Terminator, for example... You just couldn't imagine anyone else playing like playing that no. role, really. You couldn't have anyone else doing that. But you could have someone else doing Douglas Quaid. I, I think, basically, the script and the idea of Total Recall is so good. Yeah. And is really well directed. And, yeah, the action set pieces are, yeah, I, iconic. And there's always... There's really good visual effects in it as well. Because it's a film oh, made before, like, CGI. So... 
yeah, there's some really, really clever stuff done done in there by puppeteers, and I guess yeah, there's certain certain set designs which look really, really good, and yeah, there's it's it's just really, really effective, and it it looks it kind of looks better with age, one of those films because it's not it doesn't have CGI that makes it look like limp and artificial. Uh, in fact, I think it actually won an Academy Award for its special effects. Total the, recall. the Oscar-winning Total Recall. The Oscar-winning Total Recall. It won a Special Achievement Award. It didn't actually win the Special Effects Award, but they still loved it so much that they gave it a Special Achievement Award. I don't. I've I've never really heard of that before. But this year, the Academy has determined that the visual effects on one particular film was of such a remarkably high order that it deserved to be singled out. For special recognition. You, you can see why clearly these special effects are revered. Um, at the time, some people thought it was the most expensive film ever made wow. as well. The special effects are, are, are wonderful, but also at the same time hilarious. Obviously, a lot of effects can sometimes, you know, from that period, under the wrong lights, uh, even the best ones can look a bit silly and rubbery. But these this stuff looks like really silly and rubbery. But that just adds to the fun of it really especially like some of the more gore stuff and the way that like some of the eyes come out on stalks and this kind of thing makes it uh feel like a kind of ghost rider a dodgy carnival it's got that kind of feel Mm. to it which which is kind of great yeah i think and fun's a really good way to describe it because it's fun as an action film it's fun as something if you want to take it like a little bit more seriously like i guess we kind of that we wanted to do with nobody but yeah we've yeah, there's there's this kind of idea about it about yeah, what is what is well, reality and what isn't, and yeah, you can and if you go to it as an Arnie film, if you're just there for Arnie and you want to see him, you know, throw people through walls and you know, or you know, get kicked in the bollocks that he does. He that gets kicked in the balls loads in this film. Like people keep kicking him in the balls or punching or elbowing him in the balls. But yeah, I think it's uh, it's versatile. It can be be watched by loads of different audiences. Yeah, and that's really great about it. The the existential stuff that we're talking about, the interesting thing about Total Recall, there's definitely a question of, well, is what's happening to him real or not? Or actually is this? Because the, the, the plot of the film is that, you know, actually he's already had memories implanted in his head and and he's now being awakened to this conspiracy but then there's definitely this question going on in it well actually has something gone has he actually gone for this implant of a vacation and something's gone horribly wrong and there's loads of little clues to this like when he's actually getting the implant somebody mentions um oh blue skies on mars that's a new one and then that happens later on in the film he sees uh, Melina, his love interest, on the screen as he starts to go to sleep. There's a plot later on with kind of alien technology, which they talk about. Uh, then there's a then there's a bit uh, later on where the supposedly the um, owner of Recall comes to visit him on Mars, and and he says like, "What you're seeing isn't real. I'm just an implant in the memory. I'm a I'm a safety feature, uh, and I and I need to guide you out of this." And Arnie then says like. Oh well, what happens if if you're just uh, if you're not real and none of this is real, then I could just shoot you and it wouldn't matter. And he says, it "Won't make the slightest difference to me, Doc. But the consequences to you would be devastating. In your mind, I'll be dead, and with no one to guide you out, you'll be stuck in permanent psychosis. The walls of reality will come crashing down. One minute you'll be the savior of the rebel cause, and the next thing you know, you'll be Cohagen's bosom buddy. 
You'll even have fantasies about alien civilizations, as you requested. But in the end, back on Earth, you'll be lobotomized. And the thing is, is that everything that he says... It follows that pattern. It follows that pattern. The, because the, the end of them was nonsense. The, like, the, yeah, it keeps... And it gets even... There are loads of bits of nonsense. Like, why does... Like, Benny, this sidekick... Uh, that 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 like starts to like turns up and tries to kill him uh, at one point. It's like why is Benny still around? He would have run. He would have just have run off as when things have got spare. But what they send Benny after after Arnie like that doesn't make any sense. It's like he's he is kind of making it up as he goes along. And yeah, and the way that they create blue skies on Mars, the way they create atmosphere on Mars. Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously don't know much about science, but to me, <laughs> it just sounds absolutely just ridiculous. Nonsense. Maybe. It can be justified in some sort of tedious way, but it is. It just. It seems like, the, or the way that they, the characters explain it, the way that it could feasibly happen. Just, it sounds absolutely ridiculous. And yeah, I, I just think it's. By that point, you can definitely read it as that it's all happening in his head. But I think it does. The film in general does a really good balance in that you can read it as like, oh, this could just be a fantasy all going on in his head, or this could actually all still be happening. I mean, what, what's good about, like, a, a story like this is that, and the way that um, it's told, is that it definitely is open-ended. Um, although these are little clues left that he could still be dreaming, you could read it as the film is just happening, uh, straight as it is. Um, which is actually kind of how I prefer to read the film, because everything in it is so, like, silly and nonsense. I don't know. There's something about it that I just want it to exist. I want it to be real because it's because uh, it's it's just so much fun being in the world of Total Recall. Have you got a favourite line from it? Uh, I do like the line where Melina, the girl on Mars, uh, Arnie kills Sharon Stone, his wife, and she's like, "Was that your wife?" And I was like, "Yeah," and she's like, "What a bitch." <laughs> <laughs> Very well executed. Yeah. And yours? Oh, it's 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 hard to pick one. My my favorite line has really always been the 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 evil henchman Richter, played by the great Michael Ironside, who actually you can also see in Nobody. Mm-hmm. Basically, uh, that what they've got Arnie, and they're gonna wipe his memory at one point because they're gonna go to a, a function later. He says, "See you at the party." Like when he's got the one up, and then. Later on, they're having a fight on the lift. Arnie throws him, <laughs> throws him off the lift, and he says, "See you at the party, Victor." <laughs> uh, which I I always loved him, just like getting a one-upmanship on him. But also, I think I love that line because it's just something about Arnie. Only Arnie could make a line like that stick in my head. He inflates it, gives it that bombast that only Arnie could. Mm, John Cusack could have done it better. <laughs> I really want to see this film with with John Cusack. This Total Recall with John Cusack in now. This is going to really fascinate me. Do you think we could still make it? Now? I mean... Well, I don't know. Maybe that Colin Farrell film that we referenced earlier, the remake, maybe that's just ruined its legacy. (laughs) No, it hasn't, though. No, it's still... Total Recall's still an absolute classic. Absolutely loved it. So this week we watched Nobody, starring Bob Odenkirk, which is out in cinemas right now. And Sam's going to tell you the plot. Hutch and his family are the victims of a home invasion, but he lets the intruders escape unharmed. This awakens a violent side of him. Hutch goes on a rampage, taking out some thugs terrorising a woman on a bus. One of these ne'er-do-wells is the brother of the Russian mafia's most fearsome lieutenant, 
and Hutch has to protect his loved ones as they come under threat from the whole of the mob. Or, as a haiku, suburban ex-spy, midlife crisis, but for foes, end of life crisis. Nice. Start off a bit noiry there, like ex-spy living in suburbia. Exactly, and then I wanted to, I wanted to create some kind of violent Bond esque pun out of you know his situation. I can see that in a Bond film actually. It's like oh he had a midlife crisis now he's got an end of life crisis. <laughs> that was a bit Roger Moore. That was a bit it? more. Yeah. Connery might be he had a midlife crisis now an end of life crisis. <laughs> <laughs> He'd take his time over it as well. He would. Like, like Connor, yeah. It's all in the S's. You turn them into shh. Though I think, I, I don't know, my inflection sounded a bit more more at the end there. I just can't really help it. I think I'm just like more of a campy Roger Moore at heart when it comes to Bond. Yeah. Well, none of this shit. Let's hear a clip. So they took maybe 20 bucks in an old watch? Mr. Madsen, did you even take a swing? No. Could have taken her, Dad. Heard you had some excitement last night. I wish they'd have picked my place, you know? Why didn't you take them out? I was just trying to keep the damage to a minimum. Yeah, how's that working out for you? There's a long dormant piece of me that so very badly wants out. What are you still doing here, old man? I'm gonna fuck you up. So we're we're back in the cinema again. Yes, we should talk about that first. We oh. should, should really. We I've, got, I've, we got been, in... I've been four times. Oh, that was my fourth trip. Yeah, to the cinema. No, oh, I've been twice. So you kind of doubled up on yeah, me. Yeah, you have to catch up. But we're in it. We're we're in a new house. You know, new. So so new recording studio. If you if you call our house a recording studio, got, the cinemas are open again. It's a new lease of life. On the film world, Did it, does it feel good to be back in? Uh, yeah, it does. Uh, it feels great to be back in. Although, in my first trip, I went to see uh, Nomadland, and on the way back, I listened to a podcast about how it was unsafe being in cinemas due to the uh, coronavirus, <laughs> which didn't really put me in a good mood. But um, I still went back three times after that. Yeah, I thought this is the kind of movie to actually kind of put you in a in a kind of good mood. Getting back into cinemas, it's like a good bombastic action movie i've been really looking forward to this as regular listeners will know i'm i'm very affectionate towards action movies i think we've done quite a lot on here actually yeah well, i think we've, we went for a phase where we did i think three action films in a row last year did we um wow. yeah so um yeah it feels good to be back in the the action movie saddle and back in the cinema as well yeah so what did you think of this one then I thought it was mixed overall. Um, mm. I actually quite enjoyed the experience of it, but when I've left the cinema or when when the film's finished, it did feel a bit vacuous in the end. Yeah, uh, it started really, really strongly. Um, and I think the positives is that I can't really imagine anyone else other than Bob Odenkirk playing this role. Mm-hmm. This, I guess, you would kind of say is more or less in the geriatric genre maybe not quite that but like yeah more or less i mean what would have been terrible was if like liam neeson would have got this role yeah if he'd have got because i can imagine him considering he's again he always plays like a dad fighting like much younger men and there's this kind of idea of him you know there's ever since taken it's kind of putting him in a liam neeson in a film 
just sort of like fighting his way like across the world or you know fighting some sort of assassin that's like half his age and it just doesn't really feel genuine but this feels like a role that Bob Odenkirk was made for because he's got such a dry sense of Mm humour and he does a lot of acting with his body like it's just a little look that he'll give or there's a certain acerbic quality to him like behind that initially reserved and quiet personality because when we first meet Hutch He's just a suburban dad. You know, he does the same thing every day. I think in the first part of the film, we kind of see his week and it's just really, really boring, really Mm -hmm. tame. And, you know, he's disconnected from his wife. He's kind of disconnected from his teenage son in a way. He like has a bit of a connection with his, with his young daughter, but yeah, he just feels like he's coasting. And then the burglary happens and there's a chain of events, which sort of leads to us discovering who he really is. Yeah, exactly. I, I agree with that. I think Bob Odenkirk is probably my favourite part about this. O- on the difference between seeing someone like Liam Neeson, as you said, I think it's good to see like a fresh face in an action role because this is just something that we've never seen Bob Odenkirk do before. He is going to be more famous as Saul from Breaking Bad and Better Book Called Saul. He's big in comedy as well. He understands comedy because, yeah, he did a lot of writing on Saturday Night Live and... Uh, he went on to do a lot of successful comedy shows um, in the 90s. He kind of built his career. Yeah. So he understands how to make a line funny. Yeah, exactly. He's such a great action hero. And I ne- you'd never think it. You know, think about what Bob Odenkirk has done in the past. But he's just got this grimace about him. He's just got such a great action hero stare. And when he's being, like, beaten up and chucked around, when he's in difficult scenarios, he just... He looks so natural. He, he can... He can really take a punch and like really deal it out, and he's really slick and he's really physical, and and, he, and it's great. I really hope he does more. Like I'm, 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 i even though um, as I'm gonna say, I, I agree with you. The film's quite mixed. I really hope to see him do more action roles like this. Well, when it's revealed he was a a spy or an assassin that worked for the FBI, that's not a spoiler, by the way. It is in the trailer. Yeah. He there's a clip of him where he goes on a run, and then on his way back from the run, he does pull-ups on a bus stop. Yeah, and I think that's quite clever because it just kind of shows that he has this physicality to him. He has this strength, but it's something that he hides from his family. Does yeah. this on his on on his run um, in the first part of his day, and yeah, it's almost kind of like he's this superhero underneath the fact that he has got this. You know, he's a he's a killer. He's someone that can you know, yeah, kill someone with his bare hands or create a weapon out of nothing. And But he, he's, he's been trying to hide this this part of him for, for so, so long just so he can have, yeah, this normal, boring suburban life. He has this fight in a bus and that's where he just kind of lets loose. And yeah, well, you kind of really see what he's been what he's been hiding. And, and for me, that's the, the best part of the film because... The scene on the bus where he fights six or seven uh, uh, of these, yeah, of these guys. Yeah. It's the first real action sequence, and it just works really, really well. The whole set piece is choreographed and done in a really, really natural way. So when the when the violence happens, you feel that this could happen in real life. Yeah, and it's so well edited, and there's a real rhythm and consistency to the combat. It's in such a tight and compact space too, so it would be a nightmare to film, but everything just <laughs> works so well. It's just so fluid. And yeah. I thought every single action scene is going to be like this, and this is going to be a really good, like, re- an action film that kind of surpasses a lot of my expectations. In the end, it's the only good action sequence, and the rest of the film just can't live up to it. 
Um, I I think there's there's some good action bits like peppered throughout. I wouldn't necessarily agree with that, but I do think that the, the bus, the sequence on the bus, is probably going to be the most YouTubed moment. I think it's going to be the most infamous scene. It is probably the the it is the best action sequence because it is so distinctive. I think uh, it is brutal and it's inventive and it's got a great sense of like space and choreography and there's plenty of like oh and ah moments and like but you feel like you're in the bus yeah thing is great it has kind of has that 3d effect to it just with the the sound design and mm. and the visuals as well my favorite bit of it is when hutch goes through a window with one of the guys he's beaten up yeah he gets up he pulls the doors over the bus, goes back in for some more. It's, just... <laughs> it's a great action scene that kind of gives you that feeling of damage of people just like going on and on and on and just getting more and more worn out and the violence just amping up more and more the longer that sequence goes on. And that's a great way to create an action scene because it it, it, it completely holds your attention and is really exciting and really like tactile and this yeah yeah, it's 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 a great sequence there's loads of good things about it yeah you kind of have to take a breath afterwards yeah over it you know (laughs) the way that after hutch sort of um limps away you kind of almost feel sort of like that sense of relief that it's over and yeah i really wish that like I don't want to sort of over exaggerate it a little bit, but that's the type of action scene that I really like in a film. That it feels that you're there and you don't really know what's going to happen next. There's a spontaneity to it. I think closed spaces actually work really, really well for action sequences because it means that you can create boundaries, but then you have to work out how to have fun within those boundaries, right? You know, actually, which is also, in a weird way, a kind of microcosm of a, of a good action film as well. Yeah, but then it just doesn't really get better from there. In fact, like... I do it, quite like some of the... the there's, I like the, the final action sequence and, the, and like some of the car chase sequences. I no, think they I were good. I didn't like that, I, especially the final action scene, because it just gets so absurd, and you just kind of get taken out of it, because by that point... Hutch has been through so much, and he's, yeah, he's basically, I know I used the term, like, superhero before, but I kind of meant that, how you kind of, he kind of revels in being this assassin again, but then when it gets to the final action scene, he's kind of been through so much that it feels like nothing can hurt him, nothing can kill him, I mean, he gets shot, and he just gets back up, and I just feel that's too much, if you take it back to that scene in the bus, it does feel like he's, he's, he's real, and the fact that he can be hurt and he can be damaged... But he has this resilience to him that means he can get back up. When he's kind of taking bullets and then he's still like killing half a dozen guys with, with his bare hands, it just just feels silly and ridiculous and a bit of a betrayal of what the film set out to do. And it was by that point that I just found it really tedious. And also, I, I, I just kind of got sick of the use of music, to be honest. Oh, that's terrible. Well, we saw Cruella uh, earlier this month and it seems there must be an epidemic of overly doing the needle drop I I like the idea that they were trying to look for their own, their own style. Like they were, they they found a lot of like old like crooners and and like love old love ballads and and stuff. And they they worked that into like every scene. There was no like rock music or anything. It was just yeah. those things. That's an interesting. That's an interesting idea. But it was just overused. And and it was really on the nose when when they used things like I've got to be me at the beginning of like the the bus fight scene when it's kind of like okay we get it this is like who he is he's like a real violent man yeah i mean i mean like mirroring what you said i mean i think the the, the film overall i i mean i found a little bit disappointing because i was really looking forward to it I've, i do love action movies but i think that there is 
uh, an unevenness about it, a real, like, mixed... It is a real mixed bag. In, in some ways, you almost don't want to be too... There, there's elements of it where I don't want to be too critical, because I can understand that this is made with a sense of fun, and there's definitely a sense of humour in it, which works really, really well. But it's just a shame that that elements of it can feel so polished, and then other elements just feel really, really misjudged, like the music and, like, the action and... And, and and yeah, like the direction of the uh, the character and everything. I guess what you you were talking about before with that no sense of there's there's no real sense of peril. I think as well there's just the the problem with Hutch at first is a is a pretty good archetype of a of, of a character. You know, someone that who used to be very violent and has kind of hung up his guns, and now he's kind of coming out of retirement again. But they they never find a way to really keep him really human or or to show a kind of dichotomy in him when i think about like other like great action heroes like uh john mcclain from die hard or rama in the raid or something or even like like martin riggs in the lethal weapon films there's always a, a balance between in these people there's always a conflict action movies and action movie heroes can often seem two-dimensional and yeah sometimes they are a bit two-dimensional uh but actually often uh, especially in their initial outings, that there, there's a there's a conflict going on inside them as much as there's uh, a conflict going on outside of them when they're actually fighting people as well, and that's really key because you 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 want to see this person. Oh, are they fighting the men or are they fighting themselves? Oh, very deep. Uh, you you, you want to see them succeed because they've got this. You you, you want to see their journey and their path. You want to see them not just overcome the the violence in front of them, but it's all kind of a metaphor for them getting better. Or it's it's it, or it's all that a metaphor for whatever conflict is going on inside themselves, and that that works really well. And that just isn't really present in nobody. I mean, apart from this fig about his his family, but it, I mean, again, it just feels like um, the the family feels like a bit underwritten. Like almost we could have had more time understanding what makes him so connected to the family. I think the actual explanation for why he wants the family was pretty clunky. In fact, I think the whole explanation behind Hutch is, is actually pretty clunky as well. Yeah, that's like just, what I just wanted to quickly touch on. Basically, yeah. another part of the why the first part of the film is so strong is because they don't always need dialogue to tell a story. They don't need a lot of exposition. You can tell by the way Hutch moves, or they'll use a certain piece. Of, because I think music is used well again at the beginning of the film because they tell you like parts of the story. They don't. You don't need to have a conversation, or you don't need to have a, like a voiceover telling you what's happening. But then, yeah, as there's more explanation about who he is, you therefore need more dialogue and you need more of a context. Yeah. And then that's where it just feels a lot weaker while... It gets a bit sludgy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I... Yeah, and that's always... And that's kind of a shame. Um, I think that, like I say, like, Odenkirk, I think, is a great action hero. I I think I enjoyed, like, some of the, the, the other, like, smaller roles in it as well. Uh, like from uh, the Rizza, who is kind of his kind of like surrogate brother, and Christopher Lloyd, uh, as well as his as his dad as well, and they form a good kind of like triple threat, like towards the end. Um, I really is it, enjoyed. Is it good? Is it? Is yeah, it necessary? I, I I think that I I enjoyed that like final. Uh, I, f- I enjoyed that final kind of action sequence. Um, I think there's a good, you know, we're not going to spoil it here, but I think there's lots of like good inventive moments in action. And I think it was, I think it was exciting and stuff. It, it was maybe at a point of the film where maybe it had, it had a bit, it had sort of lost touch with itself a bit. But generally, I think it was very well, 
Uh, it was very well put together for a finale. But we've been on the journey with Hutch. We haven't been on the journey with those other two characters, so why should I care about them? Yeah, I, I, I suppose so. I mean, I still thought they were kind of fun to watch. Yeah, I just think the problem is, is that the film is is kind of... Le- it, it, it puts this premise about, oh, you know, does, does Hutch enjoy this violence? Is he truly this violent person, or does he want to go back to live this kind of boring suburban life? And in the end, I just don't think very interested in asking that question. I just think it's just happy to be like a silly action film. Well, I don't think kind it, of disappointing. I don't think it asks that question at all. Uh, which is a, which? Yeah, like I say, is a shame. Lots because there's lots of things in it that I think it that a lot of the main components uh, are done really, really right. There's there's elements in the in the the structure and the way the story's told that I found really not working. I know how ridiculous it must sound to some people who think that. Like, you should be able to walk in and just have a blast with something like this. But it does matter. Uh, it's not overthinking it. There's there's effective ways that you can tell a story like this. And it, a good example of this is, is what you just said. is like, there was no question of violence. In fact, there's actually a direct line, really, between Hutch becoming violent and also becoming a man. There's this really weird link where he just start When he starts, like punching people and killing people again he immediately kind of wakes up and wants to be like a lover to his wife and wants to be engaged with his children again he's he's cooking like masses of bacon rather than having like depressing like eggs on toast for for, for the morning in the morning or something like it's weird because like some of the action heroes that i've talked about before even even though you might think of them as synonymous with brainless amoral violence actually a lot of action heroes have this thing in them of like, oh, I don't know whether I should be doing this or not. And and that makes them compelling to watch. When that's not present in nobody, that's a problem. I, I do understand the slight hypocrisy of that, of that, well, we're all sitting in the cinema seat because we want to see them do some kind yeah. of violence. But, you know, violence is nothing without like a real, without like a bit of a soul behind it. And yeah, it's not as present in nobody uh, as I would have liked. Yeah, I think I guess uh, some audiences just want to go see an action film just for the yeah the violence of the set pieces because they they like it amplified as much as possible. I mean, Fast and Furious being an example, that's a film that's just completely relies on action scenes. But actually, I think the truly... and those films are fucking awful. Well, yeah, they are. And but the truly great action films, the the classics of the genre, the the type of action films that you know they they're sometimes not even considered action films because they're so great and they're part of the sort of fabric of cinema like your diehards and 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 others it's because it's got really great character and really great writing behind it and really good action sequences mm. so yeah i think i think that's what that's what i love about action films and and yeah why stuff like die hard is 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 really really watchable i actually thought they were going to go down an interesting route at one point and i thought it was going to be this idea that maybe hutch is having a bit of a fantasy and yeah. there's this idea that after he sort of had this horrible incident happen to him and his family, that he kind of retreats into himself. And he said, oh, if only I was a, you know, an FBI assassin and in my previous life and I'd go and hunt these people. And yeah. then, I, you know, I'd turn out having a, some sort of war with the Russian mob and I'd take down them. And, you know, in the end, I'd, you know, fall in love with my wife all over again. And I'd have this sort of instant connection. But in the end, I thought they were going to play around that idea. But again, not really interested in... It's, it's not that type of action film. So essentially, you were hoping nobody would be a bit more like Total Recall. 
Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, I did see Total Recall before nobody. Um, I think in the end, um, nobody has a lot of like really good things going for it. I, I think there are elements of it I really enjoyed. I think there's, I think I enjoyed more of the action sequences than you do. I think the action sequences are are, are fun and brutal and 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 well choreographed. I think Bob Odenkirk could be a, a really great action hero. And I think he embodies a lot of the physicality that makes a, a great action hero. And it's there, there's a lot of fun to be had in Nobody. And there certainly were parts of parts Nobody had fun in. There are also all these kind of negatives. I, I think that one of the, one of the things I really found a problem with it ultimately was how derivative it felt. Uh, even though some of the sequences were good, some of the later ones and some of the some of the set pieces, some of the the characters. And everything, it just feels like we've been here too many times before. And it is a genre piece, but I think if, if you're making an action film, you have to find a unique way to spin it. And other movies find a way to do that, and nobody didn't. Um, I think it's particularly derivative of the John Wick films. This 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 film, nobody is actually written by the same guy that wrote the John Wick films. It's not just some of the set pieces that might feel familiar, it's also... Like previously, violent man making a normal life for himself, dragged into violence by a uh, you know a violent event. Uh, there's an eccentric Russian mob boss. There's a cuddly creature. There's all these little moments that I just feel like uh, this. Feel like you're drawing too much from what's already out there. Yeah, I think so. I think nobody is like the epitome of a mixed bag. But I did have fun, and you know, I'm actually secretly hoping that they make a sequel because I think that, like the John Wick films, like I think the first John Wick film is very overrated, but the second and the third one are great. And maybe nobody just needs this time to kind of stretch its legs, and then if it came around for a sequel, like those other films we might be seeing something a lot more rounded and that would feel like a, a lot more satisfying experience. Yeah, I agree with you that I think Bob Odenkirk really does a lot for this film. I think another actor wouldn't be able to elevate nobody to the level that it gets to. And it's even that, at that stage, I don't think it's... I think it's kind of passable. But it's better than a lot of other action films I've seen. It is! It did entertain me. I never felt bored. The bus sequence alone would make me uh, recommend this film to other people just to go see that. If they're a fan of, of the extra genre, then that scene alone, I think, is going to be one of the standout scenes of the year for me. It was really, really good. It just a sh- It's a shame that the rest of the film couldn't be smarter. It's a shame the rest of the film couldn't be funnier. And it's a, sh- and it's a shame the rest of the film couldn't be as slick as the first third, but... Yeah, um, a really passable action film, uh, If, uh, but I think it could have been a little bit better too. I came after my family. They stole my kitty cat bracelet. And you don't do that. <gasps> Give me the goddamn kitty cat bracelet! Who are you? Me? I'm nobody. So, if you did like this, then I'm going to recommend you watch Red from 2010. If you want a bombastic action movie with a sense of fun and perhaps a coming-out-of-retirement theme, then Red is a little gem. Frank Moses, played by Bruce Willis, used to be one of the CIA's top agents. Retirement and middle age aren't suiting him well as he plods around his home alone, his weeks only peppered with some flirting with Sarah, played by Mary Louise Parker, the similarly lonely government worker that sends him his pension checks. 
But this peaceful existence is not to last. Frank is marked for death by the CIA. With Sarah in tow, he seeks help from his friends and former agents. Loyal mentor Joe, played by Morgan Freeman. Kooky conspiracy theorist Marvin, played by John Malkovich. And ex-MI6 assassin Victoria, played by Helen Mirren. They'll have to find out why they're being targeted. But along the way, the CIA is going to find out these old dogs certainly have a few tricks. They used to be the CIA's top agents. Victoria, best wet work asset in the business. What? What's that? I kill people, dear. But the secrets they know... This is off the books, total blackout. ...just made them the agency's top targets. Yeah, they don't make them like that anymore. Although RED, which stands for Retired Extremely Dangerous, is probably a little shallow for some, you can't get away from what a good time it is. This really stems from a couple of elements that make it really work, not least the cast who flip-flop effortlessly between eccentric scenery chewers and believably impeccable killers, and it's hard to know in which mode they're having more fun. There's great chemistry between all of them. Little shoulder taps and efficient coordination in the action scenes give a sense that this crew have survived because they know each other as well as they know how to play the game. On that, the action is wonderfully put together. Just like Nobody, it's slick in some parts and gleefully over the top in others. A brutal hand-to-hand fight between Bruce Willis and Carl Urban is a highlight for me. Perhaps in the end there's just something so likeable about the concept. In the world of Red, modern spies might have youth and excellent training, but really they're just photocopies of a photocopy. The retirees have skills that don't rely on the digital. They have instinct and intelligence that are hardwired to them, and those skills can be just as sharp no matter how old they get. This is all executed with a witty and really well-paced script. It's not going to stick in the memory of everyone. It's light and it's silly, but I think there's something a bit special and even charismatic about Red. And if you enjoyed Nobody's energy, sharp, stylized action with a great sense of humour, then I encourage you to bring Red out of retirement. I haven't seen Red. It really does sound too shallow for me. Yeah. But it sounds really fun cast and it sounds like they're having fun in it. That That is, and I, that's the main appeal. As, as I said, I think that's the main appeal. I think they're... They're all having a lot of fun, which is funny because I a couple of years ago I actually read. It's actually based on a comic book, and I read the comic book it's based on, and it's really like grim and humourless and pretty pants actually. It's really not a very good comic book at all. But Red takes the idea of it and then injects it with a lot of fun and fills it with a cast who can have a lot of fun. Yeah, the the cast is great. Like Bruce Willis is doing the best thing that Bruce Willis can do. He is this strong like, leading man. He's always kind of the straight man, but he, he, even his, like, funny lines, he delivers in a straight way, but that just makes them kind of funny, and I, I kind of really like that. John Malkovich is kind of great. He's the really, like, silly one of the group, but it's Malkovich, so there's always a kind of an edge and a darkness to him all the time. And then, like, every, yeah, everyone else in it is great. Helen Mirren. Oh, Brian Cox turns up at one point, and he's great. It's It's been a while since I've seen it, but it jumped in my mind because I really, I really didn't want to recommend John Wick, even though I think nobody in John it's Wick is kind of. It's yeah. just a bit too on the nose, and I just think that actually Red is actually an action movie that's pre John Wick, but it's it's got a lot more of a, a, a sense of fun that I think is really great. Did you ever see the sequel? No, I haven't. But having like written about it now, I I now really want to seek it out. 
because I think it could be I think it could be really fun. I'd like to see how the how the sequel holds up. Maybe that could be a, a future. What have you been watching? I don't know. Watch this space. Well, if nobody two comes out, then you can do <laughs> yeah, two. it'll be perfect. Yeah. If you didn't like this, then David Cronenberg's A History of Violence focuses on the same premise but treats the subject matter in a much more cerebral way. Made in 2005 and looked upon as a return to form for Cronenberg, Viggo Mortensen plays Tom Stahl, who lives with his family in rural Indiana. After two criminals try to rob his small-town cafe, Tom flips and kills both men. While he's treated as a hero, this draws the attention of the exact people Tom has been hiding from for decades, the Philadelphia Mafia. Carl, played by Ed Harris, shows up in town and menaces Tom, who has to deny his previous existence as a psychotic mobster. This forms a wedge between Tom and the rest of his family, leading him on a confrontational journey with the ghosts of his past. Just closing up, fellas. Coffee. I'm sorry, we're, we're closed. Oh, I know that. I do know that. Ah, shut up! We don't carry much cash yet. They were going to kill us. You saved our lives. Hello, my hero. Tom Stahl is a family man with long-standing ties to this community. Right now, this community is rallying behind him and calling him a hero. Way to go, Tommy. Great, more reporters. You look like reporters. You're the big hero. Really don't like talking about it, sir. You sure took care of those two bad men, Joey. My name is Tom. It's Joey. You tell me. So nobody and a history of violence follow the same pattern. A random crime occurs in a suburban location which unleashes the true brutality of a man who has been trying to hide a former identity. However, nobody is more interested in the action and the one-liners rather than the philosophy or psychology behind this concept. Cronenberg looks into Tom's soul to try and investigate whether he's naturally violent or whether he's a man who can transform his life into one of peace and serenity. If you're a fan of Cronenberg, then you know of his use of body horror and gore are fundamentals of his filmmaking. Despite this being a bit of a detour in terms of genre for him, there are still plenty of visceral moments that will repulse the audience. I think this is one of the main differences between Nobody and A History of Violence. The way the violence is portrayed in Cronenberg's film is that of the real world. You understand that Tom is a man who can reduce this barbarity, but at the same time be disgusted by it. Sex is also used in a way to show the two conflicting sides to Tom's persona. However, Nobody, whilst initially starting like a film that wants to use violence in a realistic manner, ends up becoming more and more stylized as the movie goes on, and you get the sense that the director is more interested in the soundtrack rather than what's happening on screen. So if you found Nobody a silly and frivolous action film without much depth, then seek out History of Violence. You get a similar story, but one that is more interested in character and the consequences of human destruction. Yeah, History of Violence is a great shout as a comparison piece. It's been a while since I've seen it, but I remember it used to be one that would go on a lot of like movie nights and make its rounds when we were a bit younger. It's a wonderful slow boil of a thriller that turns like really violent and action packed towards the end, but in a really satisfying way. It's a very different kind of movie to nobody. The the film as well, it's interesting is that like I think it's safe to talk about spoilers a little bit. With it was made in 2004. Yeah, if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, but yeah, a, lo- a lot of a history of violence is, or for the first two thirds, it's it's ambiguous whether or not Tom is the mobster that these people are after. Yeah, that's true, actually. And but- I think that's a really interesting dynamic. The way that the film then confirms who he is, I think it's really, really effective and keeps you on the on the edge of your seat. 
Yeah, that'll be uh, quite a twist if it gets halfway through the film and Ed Harris is like, oh no, yeah, you're not. <laughs> yeah, no, we have got that wrong. Sorry about that. We'll yeah, we'll leave your town immediately. And yeah, you're right. Actually, I think there's this horrible thing has happened to to Tom and 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 the town that he lives in. And you kind of feel like, yeah, the presence of these mobsters have just turned up is kind of making the whole situation worse. But yeah, as the pressure intensifies all the way through, you kind of then get, yeah, another of these kind of like really sort of disgusting action scenes. Yeah, it's what, uh, the violence is wonderful in it. It's so because. Well, you it, say wonderful, but, uh, you know. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I think it's repulsive. I think that's the idea. I think. But yeah, that is the idea. And I think that's, what, that's why I think it's wonderful because it's so effective. Because what yeah. it does is, it, is every kind of action scene, you, it builds up and up, and the tension builds up and up and up. And then when it happens, it explodes, and there's a, a real brutality. Th- these people are good at killing but when someone dies it's in a hail of blood and they they want you to see what happens when you you know you shoot someone in the face or you stamp really hard on someone's neck they want you to feel that because how you present violence in the film should should run alongside the story it's all about how you're trying to make the audience feel and in a history of violence the point is is that the the whole journey is set off by these two men coming out of nowhere suddenly bring on like violence on into this like small town and tom responds to it and kills them and that's what the violence is like in the film the whole way through it's just like a sudden sharp horrible shock and violence begets violence yeah i think that's what's important you see the what happens is that tom's son when he sees the type of violence that his his father uses he then does the same thing to to bullies in school. Yeah. And so, yeah, you kind of get this understanding that the film is trying to show the consequences of of a violent outburst and it kind of makes you think about that sort of thing like a lot more a lot more deeply. It's kind of really, really interesting. Yeah, and I think David Cronenberg was kind of interested in showing really violent people getting their comeuppance and how we kind of feel that as human beings. In a way, we want to see these people receive the type of violence that they use on other people, but are we comfortable with that? Should we be comfortable with that? Is is this just sort of one one big circle? Really, it's it's really. Well, it really, is a circle. I think yeah. it's you know it's it's a perpetuating thing. The more violence he does, even the the good that he does, the protecting he does, it just makes it worse and worse and worse as it goes on. And Viggo Mortensen is just absolutely amazing in it. He's I mean, so good. Yeah. Having this kind of dichotomy in his head of yeah, being trying to be the this suburban father who's nurturing and pleasant and and living this kind of new life to one that was just yeah a complete psycho and was a part of the the mafia and and was part of this really nefarious organization it's kind of it's just absolutely amazing and you believe it you believe that even though tom Saul uh, seems like a really good natured person at first as, as the film goes on you see him become or slowly revert into uh, into Joey Cusack, who who he used to be, but yeah, I'd really but recommend. It's, it's not just him being a mafia guy, or a mob guy. I mean, even at one point, one of the characters says, "Oh, you're still so good at it, the killing." It's really, it really is just about the violence in a history of violence. It's not just him being a mafia member. It's just the fact that he's just so good in any situation at just killing a lot of people and the ugliness of that. Yeah. I hope we haven't sort of talked too much about it because it'd be great if people could 
could go out and seek it if they if they haven't. And I think it's a great comparison piece to Nobody as well because I think one of the real deficits in Nobody that we felt and maybe other people feel as well is that even though there's a lot of like that you know it's a, it, they're different kind of things and it's trying to be a fun action movie. It's what we were talking about with that loss of a sense of character. There's no there's no character. There's not there's loss of momentum with the character and a history of violence makes up for that because it's all about that that journey and that dichotomy and and all the other you know long film criticy words <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a film that you can use lots of long film criticy words for yeah exactly and that's why we like it at the end of the day yeah. a little note light red it's also based on a comic book uh, that i've also read which is also rubbish <laughs> uh, the history of violence comic is is similarly grim and humorless and really quite pants, just like the Red comic book is. So it shows that I think Red and A History of Violence are both good examples of the the books aren't always better than the films. All right, this isn't uh, comics are better than people. Less <laughs> <laughs> of that. Thank you so much for listening to Films Are Better Than People. Be sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to us on right now so you never miss an episode. We're on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts and SoundCloud. And don't forget to come follow us on Twitter at Films Are Better and like us on Facebook.com forward slash Films Are Better.